Thanks for listening to the Courageous Church Podcast. We want you to know that wherever you are, God is with you. We hope this message leaves you feeling loved, encouraged, and courageous. We thank you for tuning in. Courageous Church, courageous people. And now, here's today's message. All right, are you guys ready for the word today? Listen, if you came to receive a word, I'm telling you, as a matter of fact, I really believe you did come for a word because uh, what, what other reason would you skip brunch to come to, uh, for the word of God? Amen. But I promise you, I'm going to get you out of here where you'll be able to get the tail end of that brunch time. We'll be good. I promise. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. I'm going Old Testament today. Um, and I'll say this to you guys, too. Um, uh, I wanted to say something important. 2 Samuel chapter number 6, that's in the New Testament. I'm sorry, Old Testament, I apologize, Old Testament. Uh, right around a third of the way through, you'll find 2 Samuel, right after 1 Samuel, in Jesus' name. And so you'll find it there. Uh, we'll go to chapter 6. Uh, we're currently in a series called Under Construction. Huh? Yep, no pun intended, Under Construction. And we are under construction because we believe that God is doing something inside of all of us. I think that what we see in this room and what we've seen transpire in this room is a, is a spiritual, is a spiritual uh, manifestation of what God is doing on the inside of all of us. He makes all things new. And so sometimes it gets a little messy before it gets real clean and together. And so sometimes you get dust going and you get all kind of things in the air and moving around your life. And sometimes that stuff happens right before everything settles down and God puts everything together. And so that's why we're under construction. And in this series, God has given me a few specific messages that is for our house. And so I'm going to go to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. And I'm going to read around just a little bit. Uh, those of you guys who don't know... Um, uh, who don't have uh, your Bible with you, don't worry. You can find it on your phone or you can find it right behind me. They've got it on the screens so you guys can see it. And it reads, I'm going to read uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 12 through 23. Stick with me. I promise you I'm going somewhere. Touch your neighbor say he's going somewhere. It says, and David gathered all of the choice men of Israel, 30,000. Someone say 30,000. And David arose and went. Uh, with all the people who were with him uh, from Baal of Judah to bring up uh, to there the ark, of the, the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. I'm jumping down to verse 12. It says, Now it was, now it was told David, saying, The Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Eden and all that belonged to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God, from the house of Obed-Eden to the city of David with gladness. And, and so it was with those, with those bearing the ark, the Lord had gone, the, I'm sorry, those who bearing the ark, the Lord had gone six spaces. Then he sacrificed oxen and fattened sheep. So basically you're saying every six steps they stopped and they sacrificed before the Lord. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all of the house of Israel bought, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with sound of the and, and with the sound of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Micah, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. He was doing whirly birds, y'all. 
and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he then he uh, uh, disturbed, yes, yes, then he distributed amongst all the people, uh, amongst, amongst the whole multitude of Israel, both, the woman, both to women and to men, everyone, a loaf of bread and a piece of meat and a cake of raisins. Yeah, I know that's a whole lot. I'm almost there. Stay with me. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Micah, this is one of his wives, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of all the maids and his servants. She was giving him sash, y'all. And as one of the base fellows seamless, uh, shamelessly uncovering himself, so David said to Micah, I was, I, I, it, was before, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, uh, of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maid servant of whom you have spoken by them, I will behold by them. I will be held in honor. Therefore, Micah, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Sheesh. I want to talk to you guys for this, from the subject for the next few minutes, if I can. The house that worship built. The house that worship built. The house that worship built. Jeez. <laughs> no wonder the Lord tried, the, the enemy tried to stop us so much in our worship experience to keep us from sound and all the stuff we needed because this is a house that worship built. And this is what David decided to do as well. Let's pray. Awesome God. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh in this place. Do something special. Speak through this word. Help me get out of the way on this big uh, wooden stage, Father, without paint on it. Father, I pray that it would not lend to distraction, neither would I. Lord, I pray, Father, that your word would be heard. I pray that someone walked in this room needing a word from you. And God, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would activate every part of this message so that the people that came would leave better than they, than they showed up. Father God, I bless you for victory on my left side. I thank you for victory on my right. I thank you for victory in front of me. And I thank you victory is behind me devil that is the sound of our heel bruising your head because you are under our feet in Jesus name we pray somebody shout amen yeah I'm an active preacher somebody say yeah uh, ladies and gentlemen this is an exciting opportunity to be able to talk to you about one of my favorite characters in the Bible I preach about David often I, I love David so much that I decided to name my last son David Christopher because I love David so much David was a worshiping warrior he was the epitome of manhood he was the epitome of spiritual manhood he was all man and all God at the same time you couldn't run up on David any kind of way because David would hack you into pieces with the sword and then he would turn around and worship his God because you came against him in the name of the Lord. And so David was an amazing, balanced man. And I love David because David was coming into 
his kingdom. It reminds me of when we started on construction here in this site. Now, if you guys follow us on Instagram, you've seen the transformation that this room has gone through, and it looks absolutely unbelievable, even at this stage of what it looked like before we got in. It almost looked like God like expanded the room wider and made it bigger. It's just pretty crazy about what God has done. And when we sat down with our contractors, I remember having a few non-negotiables that I presented to our contractors, and that was a few things. And number one, it, it was going to be that um, that we would be, uh, uh, yeah, that's so funny. Do I want to say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I told them that I would be hands-on the entire process. I said, listen, this is my first time ever being a part of a construction, and so I'm going to be here every day. Yes, I will. Every day in Jesus' name. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be watching. I'll be, I'll be taking the first shot on everything you do. I want to see it. I want to touch it. I want to smell it. I want to understand it. I'm going to ask you 50 questions because I want to know. I want to understand. I want to see. And I also want to make sure that God's money is being stewarded well as we're, being, and we're spending it on contractors and doing everything in this room. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Another thing I said that was non-negotiable, I said we would put the building back to functional uh, at the end of the week because we're sharing the building with another church for a couple of more weeks. And so throughout the process of construction, we've had to really push hard on Fridays to try to get this space back to worship ready for the other church that's still meeting here currently that met at 10 o'clock today. And then last but not least, one of the things that I said was non-negotiable is I said, I want worship or Christian music playing while the workers are working in the space. Okay. I, I want the presence of God to be in this room at all times because when people come into this room, this needs to be a sterile environment where you can hear from God without distraction. You see, the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is Ephesians. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers of wickedness in high places. And so what I understand is that we're, we are contending for spiritual ground here. And so every nail that we put in the wall, every stroke of paint that we put on the wall, every piece of of wood that we add to this place we're making the devil mad and the more and the more we establish God's kingdom here through courageous church and the other wonderful churches that are in this area too the more the dark the spirit of darkness has to leave this area and so I said we need to set the tone and make sure that worship is moving throughout this room as we build this church and this is the same thing that happens with King David you see the chapter before I just read here David actually comes into his kingship. You see, he was anointed to be king at age 15, but he actually became king at about age 30. And this is now the moment, the, the chapter before, as he steps into his kingship and becomes king of all of Israel. And now King Saul has died, and now he has been placed as king of all of Israel. And the first thing that David does as he's getting set, the first thing that David does is not try to find who his right hand or who his left hand was going to be. The first First thing that David does is not try and figure out what flavor water he wanted in his refrigerator. The first thing that David does was not get all blue M&Ms in his green room. The first thing that David does is actually decide that I'm going to go after that thing that produces the presence of God so I can have the presence of God in my kingdom. I don't want to rule over Israel without the king of Israel being there with me. And so David, the Bible says that David talks 30,000 men into going with him. Somebody say 30,000. Say it with a little bit more conviction. 30,000. 30, 
David convinces 30,000 men. Can you imagine the conversation that David must have had to just become king of all of Israel to get 30,000 men fired up and excited about going and retrieving the Ark of the Covenant so that they might worship every six paces and offer burnt offerings on their way of bringing the presence of God in because David knew that being the king didn't mean anything if he didn't have the king of glory in the building. He didn't have the king of king and the Lord of lords with him as he ruled. He understood and knew that it is God's presence alone that's going to change and lead and transform a nation. And so he refused to lead without the presence of God in his kingship. This is good stuff. See, everything starts with worship. And David knew that because of what happened with Moses and the tabernacle. So the question that I ask when I read text, and this is what I want you to do, too. I want you to question the text when you read it. When you look at text and you see certain things, you have to ask yourself the why. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And the big question that I have is, is why did David why, why was the presence of God so important to David, and why was it connected to this ark that he went to retrieve? I'm glad you asked. As I'm looking at the text, I need you to understand that before David was a worshiping warrior, there was another worshiper in the wilderness named Moses. Moses is the, is, is the coldest Old Testament pastor. He pastored the largest church ever to exist of two million people in the desert. He, he's the coldest deliverer you've ever seen. He went in and told Pharaoh with a stuttering tongue, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh let the people go because the power of God was behind Moses. And Moses understood and knew that it was not by power nor by might, but by the spirit of God that anointed him to be the leader that he was. And as they got, as they came out of, as they came out of Egyptian bondage, 300 years of Egyptian bondage, they come into the wilderness leaving the, uh, Egypt and it looks like they have fallen on hard times. And all of a sudden God shows up in the desert because you know that's how God does it just when you think you're by yourself just when you think that everything has gone wrong just when you think that nothing will ever change God shows up in the midst of the situation you see sometimes God waits until you run out of options to become the only option and he will step in into your circumstance and he will start shifting stuff and he'll start moving stuff and then he knows that he'll have to wait until you run out of options because if it works on your options you get the glory for it but when God does it the way that he does it he and only he alone will get the glory for what he does in your life Somebody say amen. Yes. So David is mimicking what Moses has taught because Moses is instructed by God to build a tabernacle in the midst of a desert. Why tabernacle? Tabernacle is a mobile church, a meeting place, a tent where the spirit of God would dwell in the middle of the 12 tribes of Israel. I'm giving you some biblical background so you can understand where we're going before I go there. And in the middle of this tabernacle is this item called the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant is the glory of the Lord. And the Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant was the place where the glory would hover over the top of of the tent and where the ark was and where the ark of the covenant was this box you would see the spirit of God going up like a billow of smoke over the top of the children of Israel and they would look at that and know that the presence of God was with them in the midst of the desert somebody say amen, amen. 
Yeah, the ark, it was an important part of the tabernacle. And so inside of the ark represented the presence of God. And this is why David wanted to retrieve the ark because he knew how powerful the ark was because where the ark was, the presence of God was. Where the ark was, they had victory. Where the ark was, and they would bring it in when they were at war, they would take 300 men and defeat 30,000 soldiers. Where the ark of the covenant was, was where miracles and signs and wonders happened. Where the ark was is where the spirit and the presence of God would live. And so David says, I can't be a king without the ark of the covenant with me. Sheesh. And so here's the question. What's so special about the ark? What's in it? It's a chest. It's a wooden box. What's so special about the ark? And this is what I want to point out to you guys is because I believe that there are four things that should provoke your worship in your own time. And I think David was thinking of this, these things when he retrieved the Ark of the Covenant and brought it into the city. And the reason that David became so undignified with his praise and with his worship was because something in this box provoked his worship on another level. Can we dig deeper? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one. The first thing that you notice that's inside of this Ark of the Covenant box is Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded. Who's Aaron? I'm not talking about A-Rod. I'm not talking about A-Rod who hits home runs. No, ma'am. I'm not talking about him. He's a great guy. I'm sure he's awesome. Would love for you to uh, uh, attend Courageous Church if you're ever in Tampa, A-Rod. Praise the Lord. But I'm talking about uh, the first Aaron, Aaron, uh, which was Moses' right hand when he was in the wilderness, when he was out there in the wilderness. And this is interesting because Aaron's rod that budded had to be inside of the Ark of the, Co of the Covenant, and it provoked worship. Why did it provoke worship? This is why. Because Aaron made some mistakes uh, while in the process of getting this rod. Uh-huh. This is good because God chooses Aaron and the Bible says that he was making Aaron's clothing even while he was still messing up. See, what you need to know about Aaron is when you go and do research about Aaron, you go back and look in the book of, uh, of Exodus, and Aaron was left in charge while Moses went to uh, Mount Sinai to re retrieve the uh, Ten Commandments. You guys remember this when, you're, when you watch, and, and the people just started doing crazy stuff. They started melting down gold, and, and they started making golden calves that they started worshiping. They, 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 they missed the gods of Egypt, and they wanted wanted to go back. And so while Moses is gone and Aaron is in charge, Aaron lets them make golden calves to worship. Aaron is so messed up as a leader that he can't even keep the people from doing things that they shouldn't do. He can't even get them focused on the God who has been providing for them in the wilderness. He's so much of a poor leader that they begin to break out in wild orgies and do crazy stuff that is unthinkable because Aaron is left in charge. And Moses comes down from the mountaintop with the glory of God hanging on his face so much that he had to come down with a veil over his face. Because if you looked Moses in the face after he had been in the face of God, you would have fallen dead. So he comes down with a veil over his face with the Ten Commandments in his hand. You guys know the story. He's coming down expecting the people to be worshiping God still. And they didn't lost their minds <laughs> up in here, up in here. Moses looks at Aaron's and says, how could you let this happen when I left you in charge. How could you do something like this? And that is one area where he messed up. There's another time that Aaron messed up too. People forget about this. One time in the book of Numbers around the 12th chapter, I believe, yeah, if I know my Bible right, uh, Moses is, 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 has picked a wife that is not necessarily the choice of everybody else. 
And, and, and what happens is, is Aaron, his right hand, and his sister, Miriam, begins to complain against Moses and his choice and saying, has not the Lord spoken to us too? And the Bible says that the anger of the Lord rose against Aaron and Miriam and Moses pleaded with the Lord and his wrath was cut off only due to Moses' pleading with the Lord because Moses was a great pastor, so he would always show mercy and grace. Aaron is messed up, but yet his stick is inside of the Ark of the Covenant. And one day, one day, one day, God decides to take the stick away from him after he had chosen him to be the leader of everybody and say, I want all of the leaders in the land. They're complaining, they're fussing, they're choosing, they're messed, they're, they don't like the choice I've chosen. And so let's lay the sticks up before the Lord in the presence of God overnight. And whoever I pick, their rod will bud with, 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 with flowers. And so the next morning they wake up and, and, and Aaron's rod had budded. And not only had it budded with flowers, but it also produced fruit as well. It had almonds, full ripe almonds on the ends of it overnight, which shows that God can do something new with something dead. Oh, my goodness. The stick wasn't even put in the ground. It had no root structure. It had no reason to grow overnight. But yet God calls all things to become new. And he did it with someone who did, who did, who did not expect to do it. And this is great because this should cause your worship to go to a whole nother level when you see that God chose you before you ever chose him the bible says that while we were yet sinners christ died for us the bible says that while we were in our worst state come on now while we were in our worst state jesus was on the cross taking a punishment so that we could come into relationship with his father and because of this grace and because of this mercy that was shown to us, we now have access to the Father. And God, God made sure that the rod of Aaron was inside of the ark because this should provoke worship in your life every time because you should be grateful that God would choose you. You should be grateful that his grace still rests upon you. You should be grateful that you're still a good parent despite how you were raised. You should be grateful that you can still function despite the trauma that you've been in your life you should be grateful that God would choose anybody like you or like me and it was it was because of his grace and it wasn't anything that we did it was all God because before we knew him he knew us so this should provoke your worship so that's one item the second item I'm moving quick because I got to move I got to move second item is uh, is the Ten Commandments somebody say the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments these are the stones these are the stones but it's not the first set of stones first set of stones Moses got mad and threw it on the people most like y'all degenerates it just I'm serious like WWE style like get over here it was crazy so those were busted couldn't use those anymore so Moses had to go back this time God says you gonna help work and do this thing yourself so God makes Moses chisel and carve it out himself he had to work for the next set of commandments and God told him to put those commandments inside of the ark of the covenant. Why should the, the Ten Commandments be in the Ark of the Covenant? Because it represents the Word of God. And the Word of God is the thing that leads and guides your life. And here's the best part about the Word of God. Most people see the Word of God as a, a book of rules and restrictions, but I see it as a book of opportunity and enlightenment. I see it as a book that tells me who I am and not who I am not. I love that the Bible tells me, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love 
love the Bible that says that I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I love the Bible where it tells me I can do things that I did not think I could do without who God had told me to be. And the fact is, is that before my mother knew me, before I was ever in my womb, before I was ever thought about, before I was ever created in this earth, God knew me. This is what the Bible says. And so it's not about rules and regulations. It's about finding your identity and knowing who God called you to be, knowing who he created you to be, and living in that. And when you know who you are, it changes your worship on another level because you realize that God had made you beautiful and fearful and, and amazing. And there's no way you could be a mistake, and there's no way you could have been a happenstance. You're not the product of some backseat opportunity. This is something that God intended from heaven, and despite how you got here, God intended for you to be here. And if he intended for you to be here, then he has a purpose for your life. And if he has a purpose for your life, then that's mean, that means that he has something for you to do while you're in this earth, other than just suck up air and enjoy the wonderful, beautiful setting of Tampa. You should be grateful. And your worship should go to another level when you read the Bible because it reveals your identity. It helps you to understand greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It helps me to understand that blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it he meditates day and night. These are things that remind me of who I am, and it helps me to confirm the direction that God wants me to go in my life. So I am not directionless because the steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I'm not blind because he becomes line upon line and precept upon precept because the word of God helps me to live my life and move in a direction that God called me to so my worship should go to another level. Number three, and I'm closing. I'm almost done. Come on up here on these keys so I won't take too much longer. But we got a building now, so I'll be tempted to go further. But I told the people I was going to let them out certain times, so I got to be a man of my word. Amen. So start playing them keys so I can feel like I need to wrap up. <laughs> Number three, the, th the third thing inside the Ark of the Covenant is the golden pot of manna. The golden pot of manna. The golden pot of manna was necessary because while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God found supernatural ways to provide for them. He found supernatural ways to make sure their needs were met. Did you know when the children of, children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years, do you know what happened? Their shoes never went out. Their clothes never messed up, the Bible says. Uh, when they got hungry and they got tired of eating other stuff, the Bible made KFC come out of the bushes. I'm serious. The Bible says, the, the Bible says that, that quail came up out of the bushes. I'm talking about, listen, they, they didn't get chickens or pigeons. They got quail. I don't know what quail tastes like, but it sounds wonderful. I've seen quail eggs. They look fascinating. And there's another thing that happened that fell from the sky daily, too. It's called manna. It's like bread, and it would fall overnight while they were asleep. And they would come up in the morning, and there would be bread on the ground from heaven. Heaven's bread. Sheesh, that must have been some wonderful bread. And the Bible says that they would have bread to eat each day, and if they tried to eat it beyond a day, worms would eat it up because God wanted them to know that he was going to provide for them every day. And so the golden pot of manna, which is the bread, had to be preserved inside of the ark because God wants you to know that he is your provider. 
I don't know who came to church with a need. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're watching from. Maybe you're down south where we just came from. Maybe you heard about our church while we were down there and you're in need. I want you to know that Jehovah Jireh is his name. And that means that I am a provider. That means that he is going to supply every need. He's going to preserve and supply every need. And this is why it had to be inside of the Ark of the Covenant. And this is why it stirred so much worship. Because when you think about where the Lord has brought you from and you think about all the provision that he's given you I'm recalling when I was a young boy and I was lost and I was messed up my mother was a drug addict and a prostitute most of my childhood and most of my childhood I went to 16 different elementary schools six different middle schools three different high schools and in the midst of all of that chaos and confusion and moving and changing and staying with every family member that you can think I watched God be Jehovah Jireh because he would find ways to meet my needs and meet my mother's needs and when she she got saved and she gave her heart to Christ and she got and she got her life together while she was behind bars I watch God be Jehovah Jireh and I begin to understand the golden pot of manna and why it had to be in the Ark of the Covenant and why it produced such a worship from from David because he saw and understood that God is his provider that no matter if he is the king and can can provide for himself and can do things on his own it's important for you to know who the source is and I just came to tell somebody that God is your source. Your job is your resource, but God is your source. And everything that you have need of and everything that you have in your life, you need to understand that it has been God who has provided for you. It has been God who has made up for the lack that you have. It has been God who has helped you to be the parent that you've become. It is God that has helped you be the father or the husband that you are walking into. It is God that has done it for you, and it is him alone. And he is the one that is meeting your needs no matter how many degrees you get. You can get more degrees than a thermometer. I need you to know that that brain that you have was wonderfully put there by your creative father and he knew who you were going to be before you ever became it and it is him and it is here it is his desire for your life to become who you want who he wants you to be and so that produces a worship and a praise and a, and a passion and an excitement and an appreciation for who God is in your life and so we look back in the ark of the covenant as we close and we understand that in this ark in this box that caused worship the thing that caused worship to happen was that God chose me despite I didn't choose him we see the Ten Commandments which is the Word of God leading and guiding my life God speaks to me constantly and helps me to understand my identity and last but not least God is my provider he is my source and this is the secret this is the secret sauce into becoming who God called us to be is building your house on worship like David did. You see, David didn't have to bring in the presence of God like he did, but he chose to bring in the presence of God as he became king of all of Israel. And so I wanna to talk to all of my elitists in the room and who are watching online, who feel like you have everything, you got all, every, everything's checked off on your boat. I wanna tell you those boats and those cars and that money means absolutely nothing if you don't have God in the midst of it. God is your source. He is the reason you have what you have. He's the reason you can drive what you drive. He's the reason that you have that job. He's the reason that you make that money. And the moment you forget that is the moment you forget who the real source 
source is and God is our source and this is why we worship him and this is why this house is going to be built on worship because we understand and we appreciate who God is we understand and appreciate what he has done for us we understand and we appreciate that he's put us where we are and if it had not been for the Lord on our side I would have lost heart I would have fainted and because God did it for me when I was younger because I remember how he supplied for me when I had nothing I can believe God that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could imagine or think in my life somebody say amen stand to your feet I'm getting ready to close this service out he is Jireh because he is enough and I'll find a way to be content in every circumstance because he is Jireh he is my provider he is my source every eye closed every head bowed as we close this service out with a worship song I want to give you something to think about and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit a question what is it that you want me to leave this room with why did I get up why did I skip brunch why am I missing the Bucks game right now why do you have me in this room what part of this message do you need me to take home with me do you need to understand him as your provider and your source do you need to understand him as him choosing you before you chose him do you need to understand him in any other way before you leave this room and my my, my ask to you today is to make peace right there in your seat about whatever reason you need to be provoked to worship because every man was created to worship. Man, I don't listen. If you can shout for the bucks, you can shout for Jehovah Jireh. If you can give, listen, if you can get excited about other stuff in your life, you can get excited about God. David was a macho man, a manly man. I'm talking to every man in this room. Don't you dare let your hands stay down because of pride and because you think that you're too tough to worship God. You're not tough enough not to worship God. You need God. Come on, I need a good man in this room to say amen. And so as we close this service, I want you to take 20 seconds, 30 seconds, ask God, what do you want me to take with me? What part of this message do I need to take with me? How can I build my house on worship too? Because he wants you to worship him. Stay right there. Have your moment with God. Right there from your seat, right where you're watching from. What do you need? What is he trying to be to you? It's time to build your house on worship. So good. Everybody, Jaira, you are enough, forever enough, always enough. What you say? More than enough. That's right. Yes, you are forever enough. Yes, he is. Always enough. Always enough. More than enough. 
Yes, he is. You're forever enough. Yeah. You're always enough. You're more than enough. That's Jesus. it right there. Somebody need to make peace with him being Jairo. You're always enough. Always more than enough. Oh, Jairo. You are enough. Yeah. Jairo. I will be content in every circumstance. So good. Jaira, you are enough. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to your people today. Lord, I thank you that we're still under construction. I thank you that stuff's still moving around this space, but this is still a house of worship. I thank you for people who have made a choice today, Father, to make you the point of worship this week. Father, I thank you for individual moments this week, Father, as they go throughout the course of their day. Let this not be the only time they worship. Let them bring worship into their day. Worship as they drive. Worship as they move around. Worship, Father, as they go throughout the course of their day. Let them teach their children how to worship. Let them be a model of worship in their home. Lord, I'm praying that you change atmospheres at home as we play worship in our homes, Father. Shift our atmospheres as we worship you in our homes, Father. As we worship you, God, let this be a lifestyle and don't let this just be a moment. I pray in the name of Jesus, young and old, white or black, it doesn't matter, Father. We were all born to worship you. And we pray that the house that we build we build it on worship too, just like David. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, somebody shout amen at me. Oh, you can do that. Come on, this is the close of the first service in the new building. Somebody shout amen. Oh, come on, somebody give God a shout of praise in this place. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear more messages like this one. If you like what you heard, please share with your family and friends. Don't forget to connect with us on our website at CourageousChurch.online. Courageous Church. Courageous People.